I distinctly remember hearing someone yell, stop that van. From CBC Podcasts, an investigation into how young men are being recruited and radicalized on the internet. And she asked me if I was friends with a guy named Alec Manassian. By a new supercharged form of hate. On Facebook, police say he wrote the incel rebellion has already begun. A dark online subculture that's spilling over into the real world. Boys Like Me, available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. It's been a busy time in the emergency departments of hospitals over the last few weeks. Maybe you were one of the people who was waiting over the course of the holidays for hours to see a doctor. Cold, flu, COVID, RSV been a nasty mix over these last few weeks. RSV in particular is getting a lot of attention. It's a fairly common seasonal bug. Usually it causes things like coughing, runny nose, and fever. For babies, though, it can be a lot more serious than that. Now Health Canada has approved a vaccine that can be given during pregnancy, but would actually help protect the infant. Dr. Jesse Pappenberg is a pediatric infectious disease specialist and medical microbiologist at the Montreal Children's Hospital. Doctor, good morning. Good morning. From your perspective, and I guess from all of our perspectives, given what we've gone through over the last few weeks over the holidays, where, as I say, people were waiting hours uh, in emergency waiting rooms to see a doctor, how big of a deal is it that Health Canada has approved this vaccine? Well, I think uh, this is something that pediatricians have been waiting for for quite some time. In other words, to have ways to prevent RSV in our most vulnerable population, which is young infants during the first few months of life. And that's because RSV is the leading cause of hospitalizations in Canada in children under one year of age. Hmm. Tell me more about that, why it's so serious for, for the little, little ones. Well, as you alluded to before, we actually get several RSV infections during the course of our lifetime. And most of the time, uh, it's going to be an annoyance, a, a common cold. Uh, but there are certain populations in whom it can cause more severe disease. So the elderly, and particularly uh, elders who have underlying chronic medical conditions, uh, cardiorespiratory in particular, but also young infants, uh, because it's that first infection when the infant has no prior immunity to RSV, that there's a the greatest likelihood that the virus gets down from the upper respiratory tract and into the lungs. And once it gets into the lungs, that's when it can cause bronchiolitis or pneumonia. And that's when you'll see a need for medical attention and perhaps even requiring oxygen supplementation, ventilatory support, or IV hydration. And that's what leads to the hospitalization. Which can be really traumatic for, for parents and for obviously the, the very young baby. Well, for sure, it's uh, it's uh, it's never obviously it's always a stressful and uh, worrisome yeah. time for any family to have to live through a hospitalization, especially when it's with a, a very young infant. What do we know about how this vaccine would work? I said in the introduction, you, you vaccinate the mom while pregnant, and then the baby sees the benefit. That's correct. So by giving the vaccine to the pregnant person, uh, the pregnant person then develops an antibody response after about two weeks. There are enough antibodies circulating in the, the mother's blood that it will be transferred across the placenta to the baby. And then the baby is born with circulating antibodies, not their own. In other words, they weren't created by the baby, but this passive immunization from uh, the pregnant person to the baby allows those antibodies to protect the young infant during those first few months of life when they're most vulnerable to severe RSV disease. And those antibodies will then wane over time. And we know that they tend to protect best for the first three months of life and offer some protection for the first six months of life and probably much less. 
success after that. That sounds like a big breakthrough and a big opportunity here. It is. And I think that it's something that we've been, you know, that the medical and scientific community has been working on for decades. But we have other vaccines that we offer or recommend during pregnancy that work on somewhat the same principle. For instance, the pertussis vaccine that's given in the third trimester of pregnancy is also not meant to protect the pregnant person, but really meant to offer that transfer of antibodies to the baby during the first couple of months of life before the baby can get their first pertussis vaccine. And that's when they're vulnerable to pertussis. So this this concept is not a new one, but it's the first time uh, that we have a product available for use to prevent RSV in that way. This isn't the only tool uh, in the toolkit, if I can put it that way, that Health Canada has approved for RSV. Last year, Health Canada approved this monoclonal antibody to prevent RSV. What exactly is that? Right. So in April of 2023, Health Canada approved nirsevimab, which is a, a, a monoclonal antibody that's given through a single injection, and it can be given at the, right after birth or during the first eight months of life uh, at the start of the RSV season. And this single injection ha- gives protective antibody levels for at least 150 days. In other words, one shot will should prevent RSV throughout the whole RSV season. And that has been shown to be very effective and probably reducing the risk of hospitalization by 80%. The maternal vaccination probably reduces hospitalization by about high 50, 60% or so. Um, so so this, uh, unfortunately, this monoclonal antibody nirsevimab was not available in Canada due to supply issues this year. So we did not have any product available for this winter season. But we're expecting that for the next winter season, so 2024-25, uh, the National Advisor Committee on Immunization will produce recommendations on how best to use these two products or which of these two products might be preferentially recommended um, and how, how best to use them in which populations, potentially in all infants or all pregnancies or perhaps in pr- certain high-risk situations. Uh, and that will allow, these recommendations should come out this spring, allowing the provinces to then procure the supplies they need for the coming winter. What is your understanding about how likely it is that the provinces and territories will cover the cost of this. Um, just reading about it, the cost, I mean, there are reports that it, it fluctuates between 230 to $300 per dose. That's right. So the, the, the vaccine given during pregnancy, that's approximately the price range, the list price that we're looking at now. Whether or not there's any wiggle room for negotiations uh, in terms of negotiations is, remains to be seen. But this is important. I mean, down. we often don't talk about the cost of healthcare, but when you have healthcare systems that are strapped already and governments trying to figure out what they will and won't cover, how do you go about approaching that? Right. So when, for instance, when the National Advisory Committee on Immunization makes recommendations on uh, the use of a vaccine in Canada, the things we look at are primarily, does the vaccine work? Its efficacy? Is it safe? And also we look at things like equity, ethics, feasibility, acceptability, and economics. And there are metrics that can be used to try and assess the cost effectiveness of an intervention. In other words, how much health does it procure in the population versus how much does it cost? Uh, and then you have to try and balance that out to make sure that we're making the most efficient use of our healthcare resources. And cost is particularly an issue with these two new vaccines where there's high demand and still relatively limited supply. Um, and and, and if, if at the current 
costs. It, it, it's not clear to me that these would be cost-effective interventions to be used across the board, for instance, for all, you know, all infants, if, if we're talking about the monoclonal antibody. Um, but, but those analyses are underway, and I think it's important that we look at the whole picture, uh, which includes uh, efficacy, safety, but also costs, and, and assess what the best combination of these two medications is going to be to help prevent, uh, reduce the burden of RSV disease. It's really a tremendous opportunity that we have now, um, and, and it's something that pediatricians have been waiting for uh, for a long, long time. Did you see that burden over the course of the holidays? I mean, again, I mentioned this in the introduction. You can talk to people right across this country, and they will say, yeah, I know somebody, or in our family, people were sick, people were in that waiting room in the hospital for five, 10, many more hours waiting to be seen. And there was this, this swirling cocktail of, of, you know, sickness that was there. And RSV was part of that. Did you see the strain in, in the hospital that you're working in? Absolutely. We in Montreal, we were well above twenty percent positivity for uh, RSV mm-hmm. in our children that are being tested for that virus, and we also have uh, ongoing uh, increase in the per- percentage positivity rate of influenza uh, in Montreal. Uh, whereas influenza has been circulating for a little bit longer in western parts of Canada, we saw a bit of a later surge here in Montreal. And we're still really in the midst of both influenza and RSV, and as you mentioned, both of these uh, viruses can affect young children in particular, but the entire population really can get infected. And if you have underlying medical conditions that put you at risk for complicated disease, you might wind up requiring medical attention. So uh, influenza and RSV have, uh, are really currently uh, uh, circulating at near peak levels or peak levels. Just very briefly, we just have a minute or so left. Um, what would you say to people who might be reluctant to get a vaccine that's brand new while they're pregnant? I think that uh, people who are pregnant are always particularly attuned to the health of their uh, soon-to-be-born child. And they want to make sure that whatever they put into their body is not going to harm their child. It's safe. Uh, the data we have, if it's the vaccine is given between 32 weeks and 36 weeks gestational age of the pregnancy, um, it shows that the vaccine is safe. We're going to have, by next year, we're also going to have additional data from the United States in terms of their rollout and their safety ne- uh, surveillance network. So that should hopefully be reassuring as well. And I think I pr- try and put a positive spin on it that in the sense that we have an opportunity here to protect the infant before they're even born from the most common cause of hospitalization during the first few months of life. So it seems to me like it's something that's worth doing. Dr. Pappenberg, glad to talk to you about this. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. All the best. Dr. Jesse Pappenberg is a pediatric infectious disease specialist and medical microbiologist at the Montreal Children's Hospital. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.